Pastor Chris's podcast. So the theme that we've been going through in this series is Jesus' power pulls us through. So far, we've learned that Jesus' power helps us to do hard things. Jesus' power gives us hope. Jesus' power helps us to be bold. And today we learn Jesus' power helps us live forever. So let's say that together. Jesus' power helps us live forever. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Today's message, I believe, is the most important message of this entire series. It's the very cornerstone of everything we believe and do. It is the good news that Jesus died, but also that he rose from the grave. This full story of Jesus' death and resurrection is found in uh, Matthew chapter six, uh, 26, 27, and 28. But we're going to go through that and we're going to just highlight it as we go. Now, does death make you feel uncomfortable? Does talking about death make you feel uncomfortable? Does it scare you? Does it make you feel weird? You know, a lot of people don't like to talk about death, and I get it, because death can be scary. Death can be sad. Death brings up all kinds of uncomfortable emotions. And death is something that we all try to avoid, but none of us will be able to avoid it forever. That's just a fact of life. At least in this broken life, in this broken world that we live, death is part of life. You see, Romans chapter, 20, chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. No one who is alive today has avoided sin. No one Alive has avoided sin completely. We are broken, corrupt, sinful people. Name one person that you know who's never sinned. You can't do it. The only person you could name is Jesus Christ. You might be able to name some really good people, you know. You might name some people that you could even call saints. But that's because we, we measure them by human standards. We compare them to ourselves. You know? Somebody might come up to you and say, you're a really good basketball player. That's because they're comparing you to themselves. If they put you on the basketball court with Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or someone like that, they would look at you and say, I'm sorry, buddy, but you just aren't that good. Right? Keep your day job. It's all relative. And that's the way it is in our spiritual life as well. When we view people next to the holiness of God, we see that people are terribly, terribly flawed. Just as Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, no one is righteous, not even one. And Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Death is the consequence of sin. Now, this was not God's original plan. However, Humanity is consumed with the selfish desire to do things our own way. The selfish desire to be independent. and Even to be independent 
from God. And our selfish insistence on being independent from God leads to all kinds of hurt and pain and evil and suffering. And ultimately, it leads to physical death and eternal separation from God. Now, Jesus' disciples, they didn't like to talk about death any more than we do. Every time Jesus brought up death, they seemed like they wanted to change the subject. Or they would think he was only talking metaphorically. Or they would start arguing about who was the greatest among them. And um, they just wanted to avoid talking about death. And so Jesus decided to use the Jewish Passover celebration as a way to illustrate and talk about death with them. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 through 30. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it, for this is my body, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And at the Mount of Olives they went into uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus went to spend time praying to his Father because he knew that death was coming. And it was scary and he knew it would be painful And he knew that it would be hurtful because his friends were going to all betray him or desert him. And he had to face this alone. But he asked his friends to pray for him. And he prayed too. And there's an old hymn that we sing called The Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. You see, not everyone believed that Jesus was God's son. Some people thought he was a liar. Some people were threatened by what he taught and the new kind of world order he seemed to be promoting. They didn't want God's kingdom to come on earth. You see, because if God's kingdom came, their kingdom would have to fall. And even though Jesus was was teaching about love and forgiveness and grace and holiness, they didn't care about that. They only cared about their own position and power and how they could protect it. Jesus was threatening to them. And so they got angry and they arrested him. And they put him on trial, but it was not really a fair trial. They tortured him and they sentenced him to death. They forced him to carry a rough wooden cross to a hill called Golgotha. They they nailed him, his hands and his feet to the cross, and they left him there to die. Now back in those times, the only criminals who were put to death on a cross were criminals. But Jesus was not a criminal. He'd never sinned. He was God's pure and perfect son. The hymn tells us the cross was an emblem. 
In other words, a picture of suffering and the shame. Jesus suffered for our shame. We might feel ashamed of the wrong things we do or the bad choices we make. Even though we do a lot of great things, those things that make us shameful are there as well. We have all sinned. And the hymn goes on. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Slain means that someone was killed. Jesus was the dearest and best. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, He never sinned nor never ever deceived anyone. When we do something wrong, there's usually a punishment. A consequence. When we sin, the ultimate consequence is separation from God forever. Imagine being separated from God's love and forgiveness and goodness and power and joy forever. That's the definition of hell. Even though Jesus never sinned, he willingly died. For our sin. He loves us so much that He took our punishment, the punishment for our wrong. It was the only way to heal our friendship with God. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took Kelly's punishment, Donna's punishment, Matthew's punishment, Tom's, our punishment when He died on the cross. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down You know, sometimes we value or we treasure or we cherish our accomplishments or the things of this world that give us pleasure. A thousand different ribbons and awards and trophies or all of our good deeds, they don't make up for our wrongs. We can never do enough good things to earn our way back into heaven. We can never do anything that makes up for the way we've turned our back on God. The Bible says it this way, Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. We are powerless to save ourselves. Only Jesus can save us. So we have to lay down all of our pride and all of our treasures and everything at the foot of the cross because Jesus is the one who's really important. And I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Thankfully, Jesus' story didn't end at the cross. Remember that Jesus is the Son of God, and He is imbued with God's power. 
And that power is stronger even than death. And so three days after Jesus died, something incredible happened. In Matthew 28, verses 2 through 6, it says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said what happened. Come see where his body was lying. You see, Jesus' power beat death that day. It beat it for Jesus. And today, it beats death for you and me. The Bible promises this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 Because of Jesus, we can cling to the cross, the promise, the hope, love, and power that it represents. The last line of the old hymn says, We'll exchange our trophies for a crown. And I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Revelations chapter 21 verses 3 and 4 gives us a vision of the eternal life that we'll have when we trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. It says, look. God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together the old rugged cross. And I want to ask you, do you trust Jesus? Do you really trust Him? Will you indeed lay down your trophies? Will you indeed set aside your kingdoms in favor of the kingdom of God? Will you cling to the old rugged cross and put all your hope in the man who died there and rose to new life? If so, then He will raise you to new life.